Welcome to the Jack and John podcast. I'm Jack. And I'm John. And we're on a mission. To help you focus on Christ. So, well, Jack, here we are again. Um, This time we're going to talk about Jesus as our Redeemer and the faith that it takes uh, for us to hang on to those truths. So, two characters in particular we want to talk about um, with this episode are Job. Yes. And Stephen. And because, first martyr right. in the New Testament. Yeah. That's right. So, um, well, you probably know the story of Job. Job was this guy that had it all going on and uh, very wealthy, lost everything um, because God put him to the test. So, Jack? Well, sometimes uh, God does test us. Yeah. And sometimes the testing comes in the midst of suffering or trials. Because uh, God knows that the only way that we're going to be refined, uh, our faith is going to grow. We're going to develop a dependence upon him. And uh, our faith is going to be refined is through those trials. And uh, some people don't like that. But I will guarantee you that if you run into a trial in your life, your faith will be tested. Especially it depends upon the, the weight of the trial. I heard this week from a friend of mine. Uh, that a friend of his, I want to be very not specific in this illustration. Heard it from a friend. Uh, yeah, from a friend who heard it from a friend who heard it from a friend. Even, no, not that. Uh, but anyway, um, they, the, the woman that he was talking about had basically lost her faith. Okay. Had basically turned from Christianity, from following Christ, from being a part of a church or anything. Because her husband got ill with cancer, and uh, when he died, her statement was, we all prayed that he would be healed. God didn't heal him, so we're done with God. And uh, that kind of faith is not the kind of faith that uh, is going to be refined like gold and get you into heaven. Uh, And so what needs to happen is when a trial like that comes along, we should be drawn to God. And not to get mad at God for not mm-hmm. meeting every need and healing everybody on the planet. Right. Um, so uh, I think Job uh, was an example of somebody who had a lot of blessings, a lot of material blessings, a lot of things. But he showed and proved himself to be a man who had some very deep spiritual blessings as well. Very much. Very much so. So, so yeah, with faith, we, we get this idea a lot of times that, that faith is sort of believing that God's going to do something for us or believing that, that something is going to happen that we want to happen or the way we want it to happen. And, and faith is much deeper than that. We've talked about it many times about, you know, the, the disciples in the, in the storm on the Sea of Galilee and, mm-hmm. and the storm comes up and they ask Jesus, you know, don't you care that we're all going to drown? And and Jesus says, where is your faith? Um, I don't think that the disciples were expecting necessarily Jesus to calm the sea, uh, but maybe to grab a hold of the rudder since he was in the stern um, and just control the, the boat a little bit. But when he asks them, where is their faith? It, it, part of what he's saying is... You don't believe in me, even 
in the storm. Mm -hmm. You're just going to believe in me in the, in the good times and when everything's going right. And when the story with Job happens, you know, the accuser comes before God and says, hey, let me test your servant Job. Um, because, you know, I don't know if I really believe in his faith because you, he only believes because you've blessed him with so many things. Mm -hmm. You know, you've, you've healed the sick for him or you've given him the wealth or, you know, you can fill in your own little story there, whatever thing you want God to do for you. And they're saying, yeah, Job only believes because you've blessed him. Let me take away those blessings and let's see what happens. Yeah. Didn't God say to Satan, look at my servant Job yeah. and kind of drew attention to Job. And of course, then jo then Satan, who has access evidently uh, to God, begins to say, well, yeah, take those blessings away and we'll see what happens. And uh, it's a great, great story. I think God allows that so that so many of us who maybe sometimes struggle in our faith in difficult times uh, need to have a faith that's going to last and resist uh, the, the, the natural human tendency, uh, to, yeah, be, be faithful, be good, be happy, be joyful when things are going good. Right. But when things are going good, then, uh, right. what happens to us? So there's a, there's a purpose for trials and, uh, there's a purpose for the refiner's fire. Uh, what I heard someone say one time was, yes, God sometimes sends us through the refiner's fire. But he keeps his eye on the, on the uh, temperature gauge, and uh, you know he keeps his hand on on the uh, uh, you know the the lever to make sure he can turn it down or up, uh, depending on what he wants to do. Sure. And I think what depends on us is that we remain faithful, that we learn the lesson that God is teaching us through the fire, and that we, when we come through that fire, the difficulty, the trial, then turn around and help others who are coming through the same thing with their time of, of struggle, their time right. of trial. Uh, I think the friends of, of Job sometimes were miserable comforters, the Bible says. Number one, they didn't always tell the truth. But number two, sometimes they told the truth, but they hadn't experienced with God the things they were talking about. So it's difficult to hear sometimes from people truth that they haven't experienced, right. then it becomes, you know, kind of like a uh, a hammer <laughs> pounding on the nail. Yeah, it brings us to that verse in the New Testament where it says we need to speak the truth in love. In love. You have to have both of those things t together to make that work. And and uh, it's so easy for us to get that wrong. Sometimes we speak love without truth. Sometimes we speak truth without love. Mm -hmm. Those two need to go together. Um, I'm just want to give you a few examples uh, of Job's faith through the, the story here. Because in some of this is when he's talking to his wife. Some of it's when he's talking to his friends. Um this is from Job 16, uh, verses 18, 18 through 21. O earth, cover not my blood, and let my cry find no resting place. Even now, behold, my witness is in heaven, and he who testifies for me is on high. Um, that is so utterly prophetic, hmm. because what is he talking about? Uh, he's talking about Jesus standing before God. Mm -hmm. 
He goes on a little bit later. He says, um, oh, my friends scorn me. My eyes pour out tears to God that he would argue the case of a man with God as a son of man does with his neighbor. Hmm. Job 19, uh, verse 25. And my mom taught me this verse when I was a kid. And she taught me the story of Job and laid out for me what this really meant in terms of all the pain and the suffering that Job was in the midst of when he says these words. Mm -hmm. For I know that my Redeemer lives, and at the last he will stand upon the earth. He will conquer. Right. He will overcome. Right. That, that's what we're talking about with faith. That's a solid rock of faith because here's the guy who's had everything taken away from him, family, wealth, health. I mean, he is just hanging on, um, but he believes he believes, and not only that, he's got a knowledge that people in his time didn't have. Um, this man truly had communed with God. Um, let me go on just a little farther. Job 23, um, he says, But he knows the way that I take, and he has tried me. This is like you're talking about with the refiner's right. fire. And then he says, I shall come out as gold. Mm. Um, he goes on and talks about God as being unchangeable. Um, and then he says, I am terrified at his presence. When I consider I am in dread of him. Um, God has made my heart faint. The Almighty has terrified me. Yet I am not silenced because of the darkness, not because thick darkness covers my face. God is with us, whether we feel his presence or not. That's faith. Yeah. Right. That's a strong faith. You know, I was... um looking at Job and uh, thinking about what we're going to say today. And one of the things I came across in, in Job 10, 9 is a, uh, a portion of scripture where Job says, I was like clay and uh, you molded me like clay. And uh, I uh, immediately thought of Jeremiah uh, because I had written a sermon one time on the potter and the clay. And I, I went to Jeremiah 18, if this kind of flows from what Absolutely. you're talking about, Job there. And uh, just uh, a few verses here, the word came to Jeremiah from the Lord, arise and go down to the potter's house. There I will let you hear my words. So in this kind of parable in Jeremiah, uh, the potter is God and uh, the wheel are the circumstances of life and the clay are is me and you, uh, his children. And so as Jeremiah goes down to the potter's house, he sees the potter working at his wheel. And so the potter sits there, the wheel is there, and the potter has the power in his feet to move the wheel. So the potter is controlling the movement of the wheel. He places the clay in the center of the wheel, and then he places his hands on the clay, and he begins to fashion the clay into an image that he has in his mind. And so God is fashioning us, forming us into a usable vessel uh, for his best interest. And uh, let's say this um, 
potter has in his mind a, a beautiful goblet uh, to maybe sit even on a king's table and uh, to be used uh, powerfully uh, in that way. And uh, this says that as he is forming the clay, uh, as he was working at his wheel, the vessel uh, was spoiled in the potter's hand. And so something happens to the clay. It's marred by a rock or maybe a piece of wood or something that shouldn't have been there. In our lives, I would reckon that to sin. Uh, sometimes we are marred in the potter's hand because of sin that we commit, that we allow into our lives. So what does the potter do? Well, the potter doesn't throw the clay away. He doesn't. He pulls, that's right, he pulls the piece of rock or the, the wood out and he flattens the, pl- yeah. the, the clay and he makes it back and he starts to once again fashion the piece of clay now into a, uh, a vessel. And maybe this time, because it was marred, it's not a goblet on a king's table. Maybe it's just a, uh, a bowl that might be a finger bowl on anyone's table. And uh, yet still used by God for his purpose as he forms and he fashions the clay. And sometimes the way I would apply this is that um, he reworks us sometimes into a vessel that he has in his mind because it says here, as it seemed good to the potter to do. Right. And I think, John, what we need to do here, whether it's Job's circumstance, who had all of those blessings, he had all of those things and yet lost it all and yet still trusted in God to be used by God in his hand the way God would see fit. And no matter what happens in my life, I pray that my faith is such that I still trust in God to use me in the way that he sees fit. Maybe it's not the way I see fit, but the way he sees fit so that I can glorify and honor him with my life, knowing that if I focus on the troubles and the heartaches, then it's going to be a pretty sad existence. Mm -hmm. But I focus on God and the potter using me and forming me and fashioning me and making me in his image with his thought of what I'm going to accomplish and what I'm going to do. Then in the midst of the pain, I can know joy because I'm not focused on the on the pain. I'm focused on the potter and what he's doing in my life. And in that way. I can still know that I am in his hands, even though I may be suffering various trials. Mm-hmm. So. Love that. So um, we, t- we talked about, um, you know, God breaking us down, reshaping us and uh, refining us into what he wants us mm-hmm. to be. Um, and that's truly it. Uh, you mentioned something earlier, Jack, about people, um, becoming dependent on God. And it's, it's really more a function of us realizing that because because we're, we're dependent on God, whether we know it or not. Um, we talked about the the storm on the sea and, and, uh, the disciples say, say, asking Jesus, you know, don't you care that we're going to drown? And he says, where's your faith? I'm going to bring it back to Job for a second because Job 
Job had the faith that they needed right then. It says here, Job 26 and verse 12, by his power, he stilled the sea. Hmm. Um, by his understanding, he shattered Rahab. Rahab uh, is, uh, it's, it's a, it's a chaos symbol, okay? It's like the Leviathan, and um, Rahab represented all the things that we can't control, and the sea was considered one of those things in that in that time period. Um, and by his understanding, God shatters that. So, well, you talked about Stephen being right. the other example that we have here. He's a uh, the first Christian martyr, uh, Stephen is a young man, disciple of, of Jesus, and he's preaching. And um, I guess the Pharisees didn't like he, what he was preaching any more than what Christ was preaching. And so he gets in trouble with them and uh, God gets brought before them. And uh, he takes the opportunity not to be quiet, not to cow down to their will, and their, but to stand up in faith as a young man and tell them exactly who they were and exactly what they had done and exactly what they were doing in the crucifixion of Jesus Christ, which makes them mad. Right. So mad that they, the Bible says they were gnashing their teeth at him. Uh, have you ever gnashed your teeth, been that mad? Gr- maybe that's gritting, grinding your it's, teeth. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I don't like doing that because it makes my jaws hurt. <laughs> and, and <laughs> but no, yeah, it'll tear up your teeth. <laughs> yeah, no, you got to be pretty angry uh, when that kind of happens because it's like those muscles, all that tension just sort of takes over. But how do you how do you find the faith to stand up in the midst of that kind of pressure and hatred and threats against your very life? How does Stephen stand up in, under that? kind of uh, scrutiny and, and uh, uh, threats. Well, I think part of it, you, you, you were going to no, answer go ahead. that. No, go I ahead. think, no, I think part of that is because I think he saw Jesus before he saw him. Okay. You know, we know about the, the vision he has at the end as they're stoning yeah, him. Right. Mm-hmm. But I think that he saw that in his heart before mm-hmm. he visualized it because uh, he, must have had some perception that they were about to kill him and he empathized with his lord because that's what they'd done to jesus interesting thing about this jack we had talked recently about uh jesus on the road to emmaus yes the two disciples and it says that he opened the scriptures to them and told of himself through the the whole of the whole Old Testament, basically, as they walked that seven miles from Jerusalem to Emmaus. Um, I picture what Stephen is doing here is basically doing the same thing because he runs through the whole story from Abraham to Moses and yes. then to Jesus painting the same kind of picture that Jesus had painted for those disciples. Now, the difference is how it was received. Right. Because the disciples were awakened. They were brought back to life, you know. Um, whereas the Pharisees, this was the antithesis of everything they wanted to hear. And they were going to put a stop to it, and they did, in, in the sense of ending his life. But that certainly didn't stop it. 
Well, here's, here's Stephen's conclusion yeah. to his sermon. He says to them, you stiff-necked people, uncircumcised in heart and ears, you always resist the Holy Spirit as your fathers did, so do you. Which of the prophets did your fathers not persecute? And they killed those who announced beforehand the coming of the righteous one, whom you have now betrayed and murdered. You who received the law as delivered by angels and did not keep it. And when he said that, they ended his sermon. Them's fine words. Yeah, they were enraged. They ground their teeth at him. And, uh, but Stephen, full of the Holy Spirit, gazed into heaven and saw the glory of God. Listen to this. And Jesus standing at the right hand of God. I, I have an interesting thought. They may be wrong, but it's an interesting thought. The Bible says that when Jesus was translated or ascended into heaven, that he sat down at the right hand of God. In other words, he sat down at the place of authority on the throne to rule and reign over the nations. Stephen says when he sees this vision into heaven that Jesus was standing at the right hand of God. Could we say that Stephen got Jesus' attention? That he literally maybe gave Stephen a standing ovation? He stood and he looked at what Stephen was doing in giving his life for the gospel of Jesus Christ. And that I think that impressed our Lord. So I think when we take a stand for Jesus, that he stands for us and with us. And he goes through those trials with us. Uh, he sees, he watches, he notices, and he gives us strength and he strengthens our faith. And so for anyone out there who has ever had something horrible happen to you, the death of a loved one or anything that would test your faith, Try your faith and you would come out on the losing end of that. Your faith is weakened and you walk away from God. I say, come back. He still calls you and you still have a chance, an opportunity to come back to God and receive strengthening through your trial because your faith is one day going to be just like pure fine gold and it's going to take you into heaven itself to be forever with Christ. So it's important. Very much. Very important. You know, God restored Job. Obviously, he couldn't bring his family back, you know, but he gave him a new family. He gave him new wealth. Um, and that's not the point of the story. Um, Job, Job believed and would have held on either way. Um, but I think God did that also as a testament to well, to you and to I, us. and also to the accuser to say, you were wrong. My servant Job believes in me. Amen. And I believe in him. And greater is he that is in me. That's right. Than he that is in the world. That's right. So. I do think that, that, you know, our sufferings are one of the most difficult things that we deal with. Um, it, it's hard. It is just hard. Um but I think that's part of why God gives us faith. And faith to me is, is believing that he's bigger than all of the stuff that we go through and that his plan is bigger. And when he says to the children of Israel, you know, I know the plans I have for you to prosper you, not to harm you. That's God, God's plan for us too, not in an immediate physical sense necessarily, but in the big scheme of things, 
God has such a beautiful vision for us, for our eternal future together with Him. And that's what I latch on to. That's what Job was latching on to when he said, I know my Redeemer lives and at the last will stand on the earth. Amen. If you're on a train and the train goes through a long tunnel and it gets dark, don't jump off the train. Trust the engineer. Right. Because he'll get through the tunnel and it'll come into light if he'll just hold on. Yeah. Jesus is our Redeemer. Thank you for joining us, folks. We love you. Uh, Reach out to us and we'll see you next time.